0: If you want to make good decisions about the health and wealth of humans, uh, you need to have some understanding of modern science. You want an educated population, you want an educated electorate. And so part of that is having them get some reasonable understanding of science. And to do that, I would argue you need to have good science education, not pseudoscience education.
1: Welcome to the of Dialogue. Today, I have Dr. Nick Matske on the show. G'day, Nick. Thanks for huh? coming on the podcast. Hi,
0: Michael. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's
1: great to have you here. Can we start by you telling us who N- Nick Matsky is? Sure. What does See... he do and what the hell is he doing here?
0: Yeah, well, that's <laughs> sometimes I ask myself that. But um, yeah, I am just a senior lecturer in the School of Biological Sciences um, at the University of Auckland here in New Zealand. And um, and I've had this position for about five years now. It's gone fast. Um But as you can probably tell from my accent, right, I'm not originally from New Zealand. I did all my I grew up and did all my uh, schooling in the U.S., um, including I got my Ph.D. at Berkeley. I guess I've got my T-shirt on. This is the Berkeley Berkelium Atomic Element T-shirt, because that was one of the elements that was invented at at the University of California, Berkeley back in the day. So that's actually a real element, isn't it? It's a real element that they generated in a, you know, in a particle accelerator, right? Yeah. Um, And there's a number of them. There's berkelium, there's californicum, and there's, I think, seaborgium. Seaborg was the scientist who did all this, right? So um, back back in, I think it was Lawrence Livermore National Lab. So anyway, there's, you know, they like to say there's no Stanfordium, right? Because Berkeley and Stanford kind of have a thing and... Like we invented all these elements and you didn't do any Stanford. So, um, but yeah, so I did my PhD there. Um, and, uh, it's in integrative biology and I work in evolutionary biology. Um, and so I've bounced around a bit. I did, I did my PhD and then I did a postdoc in the university of Tennessee and I did a postdoc at Australian national university in Canberra in Australia. Um, and then I got this job luckily enough. So I work on the history of, um, well, the geographical history of organisms and groups of organisms. So have species dispersed around the the planet over millions of years. Um, We do that with model-based inference, statistical model-based inference. Um, And I also work in phylogenetics generally. So phylogenies are the evolutionary trees that connect all living things. And we use computational methods to try and um, uh, learn that history and then to do additional science with that to try and figure out what are the you know, not just what, what what was the pattern, but what were the processes that produced that. So so that's all pretty exciting. Um, I can talk about my – I also have done a lot of stuff in science education. Um, and so uh, even before my PhD, I was really involved in the uh, U.S. battle over teaching evolution, right, which has been going on for 100 years almost. Um, and I was particularly involved in the intelligent design fight in the 2000s in the U.S., Um and uh, this involved, you know, uh, uh, the highest point of it was this Kitzmiller versus Dover um, trial that occurred in 2005 in Dover, Pennsylvania. And this was a, a, a actual federal trial over the U.S. constitutionality of teaching intelligent design creationism in a government funded school. Um, and it was a six week trial. And I was one of the I worked at the science education nonprofit and we were advisors on this case. And so I um uh, was one of the sort of science nerds for the lawyers, and uh, it was. There's been books written about this whole thing, and it's very entertaining. But so anyway, I I know a lot, even more than most evolutionary biologists, about the history of science, religion battles, and science and politics generally, as especially as it pertains to evolution and genetics. I've sort of read up on a lot of that. So um, so I had all that history just out of general interest and because that was my area. And then I came to New Zealand and figured that would all just be sort of, you know, interesting material for lectures and never be relevant to anything. But then I've, I have encountered some some surprising relevance to some modern controversies in New Zealand. Right. Well, what are they? Well, the big one is um, over the last several years, there's been this huge controversy um, well, on several different levels, but the, the most direct part of it is what should be taught in science classrooms in New Zealand um, at the especially the high school, secondary school level. Um, and, uh, you know, and this didn't used to be a complex question, you know, introductory science, uh, introductory biology, chemistry, physics. There's a pretty set, you know, core content that uh, most science classes, most places in the world would teach. You know, you got to teach about um, evolution and genetics and DNA and all of that in a biology class and in a physics class. You got to teach about mass and energy and momentum and things. And then in chemistry, you got to teach about atoms and chemical bonds and conservation of mass and and these sorts of things. Um, And so it was very, very surprising. And what got me moved me from, you know, there's been a long standing controversy in New Zealand about uh, or discussion about um, indigenous knowledge known as Maturanga Maori, right? Um, there's been a controversy about that for a, a, um, a long time, uh, or at least there's been a discussion about it for a long time. What is the relationship between that and science and science education? Um, but what really uh, moved me from being like, well, this can't be that big a deal, can it, into being, oh, this actually is kind of a big deal, was uh, was what I saw in the chemistry uh, science standards in late 2021. Um in the Ministry of Education Science Standards, there was a line that said something like, all matter contains MORI. Um, and MORI, and forgive my pronunciation, I'm, I'm not from here, right? Um, uh, but MORI, M-A-U-R-I, right? When you look it up, or when you even look in the glossary of the science standards, it said MORI um, is, is a vital, a life force or a vital force, right? And this is... Um, uh, 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 immediately controversial in a science curriculum i mean people can have whatever religious beliefs they like but in a government um recommended science curriculum right this causes a large controversy can and we can, can talk I just, about why.
1: yeah can we just elaborate on that because I, th- I think we should add that it's a vitalistic life force
0: that in everything yeah well sure yeah, so that's, um, that's the key that's the key point yeah yeah so that is i'll get the exact text here um uh, yeah, so the concept of Mori as expounded uh, by uh, uh, people who are actual experts in Mataruga Maori, right, is this idea that everything has a vital force or a life force, right? So not just living things, as we would term them, rocks and stars and air and everything, right? Um, now, you know, you can't work on that concept very much before you start to see it break down from a modern scientific perspective, because I mean, what is the meaning of life in the first place, right? There is a quite, I mean, there's there are controversies at the edges of these things, but but you know, basically it's pretty simple. Um, there, there's a big distinction between living things and non-living things in modern science, right? Living things essentially replicate, um, and there's a bunch more criteria you could employ, but but things that are self-replicating, right, produce copies of themselves, um, are subject to um, birth and death, natural selection—those are living things. Everything else is non-living, um, and uh, and the scientific view would say that—and um, this is you know not an arbitrary thing—it would say that you know the difference between those is that is that basic basic replication uh, phenomenon. Um, there's nothing else special exactly because that replication phenomenon is, as shown by modern science, it boils down to is very complex chemistry, right? And so we have basically reduced biology to chemistry, and um, and uh, and that was a huge and major foundational achievement of modern science. So um, you can disagree with that if you want. It's a free country; everyone can believe what they want. But it's a big challenge um, to modern science to put that into a, to put a contradiction of that into a science curriculum, right? So it was extremely surprising to see it, and it moved me very quickly from being. Somebody who thought, well, you know, what is there really to worry about? They're, you know, um, indigenous knowledge doesn't seem like that big of a a deal. Every obviously every culture everywhere has gained knowledge about their local environment and they've developed skills for surviving and thriving in those environments. That's all fine. Um, You know, is there really, you know, and you want to put some of that in a science class. Okay, that's that's cool. That can be interesting to students. That might be especially interesting to students from. From uh, certain backgrounds, that's all fine, um, and that's where I just assumed in the common sense, you know, uh, if everyone was acting with common sense, you'd say, okay, well that's where it's going, and we don't need to, you know, have a knock down, drag out battle about about those sorts of things, you know, even if it's not exactly the way you would teach science in some other country. That's okay, everybody's there's a little room for different countries to do things a little bit differently. That's fine, so that's where I was and then I read this stuff in the science curriculum and it wasn't the only instance it was that was the most um dramatic thing, but there were a variety of other worrisome things in the new New Zealand science curriculum that we saw in twenty twenty one just for context do you yeah. want to
1: articulate what those things are what 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 are they proposing to teach
0: to yes yeah, so um so and this gets this gets a little bit uh, inside, but the short version of because you'll have listeners from all over, you know, New Zealand basically has a primary school system and a secondary school system. Secondary school is a lot like high school in the US. Uh, it's essentially maybe ages 13, 14 up to ages 17, 18. Um, and secondary school, like most places, is where you would have your sort of specific science classes and things. Um, and uh, uh, the New Zealand, Uh, curriculum, there's a lot of, the word curriculum doesn't necessarily mean the exact same thing in New Zealand, but, but the, um, the core thing for our purposes is that there are finishing exams under the government system. It's called NCEA, National Curriculum Educational Assessment, probably. Um, and, uh, it has three levels and level one is essentially sort of ages 15 ish. And then levels two and three are are more advanced and they are more for university entrance. Um, Level one is more for, you know, if you were planning to go more in a vocational direction or you're going to finish school age 15, 16, and then go do a vocational program and work. um, That's sort of where level one ends. And so that's kind of your basic, you know, exiting science. And then if you were planning to go to university or something else advanced like that, levels two and three are for that. So... Um, so NCA one two three, they're a big deal because at the end of each year, students nationally do these exams, and some of them are graded or marked by their teachers internally, but some of them have external assessments, and those are the things that might qualify you for a particular program at uni at university. Um, so in twenty eighteen, so uh, just in terms of the background of this, this system has existed for decades. Um, uh, in 2017, uh, Labor got elected, and that was when Jacinda Ardern came in as prime minister, um, and she was kind of a progressive icon, right? Um, in 2018, this uh, uh, refresh of the national curriculum was announced, including a reform of the NCEA system. And this was based on, in part, uh, uh, a variety of workshops that had been done with communities around New Zealand, Um and, uh, and one of the things highlighted in these commentaries was that uh, uh, Maori communities didn't feel um, that uh, Mataranga Maori was given um, fair status, wasn't, wasn't given sufficient attention in the curriculum. So that was a piece of feedback they got. And on this uh, was built... Sorry, uh, sorry, just, yeah. just the, the
1: curriculum in general or the, the science curriculum?
0: Um, I think this was the curriculum in general. Right. So, and I could, I had even had it up here. Um, you know, there's a whole... You know, Co- uh, yeah, because there's,
1: there's a, it's quite an important distinction. Yeah,
0: well, it was the curriculum in general. So this is the whole NCA. Yeah. There are NCEA courses for everything, languages and everything else, right? Um, uh, but they did this national feedback process back in 2018, and one of the things they got was this, um, they reported was uh, uh, a desire for... Um, Giving more status to Maturaga Maori, Maori traditional knowledge, um, uh, or indigenous knowledge would be a, another term. Um, which and, which uh, actually,
1: can we just just yeah. touch on that? Which, to be clear, to, to people who don't know, is sort of a it's a catch-all phrase for a whole set of of knowledge, ranging from the spiritual, mythological, to the pra- to you know to the practical to carving, yes, to weaving, that, to catching eels, that sort of thing.
0: Yep, yep, it's all kinds of things. And um, and that term, maturanga Maori, is apparently a modern term that attempts to codify this. And there's also, a, it, I think it's not accurate to say that it's only traditional knowledge. Um, some proponents will say that it includes modern knowledge that's been developed by Maori, right, um, or built upon traditional knowledge but now extended, Um And so, you know, the borders of it may may be um, a little bit elastic, depending on on who's talking about it. Um, But that's become the term, you know, often you would compare it to, uh, uh, there's other terms popular in other countries, traditional ecological knowledge, TEK, um, or indigenous knowledge. Um, They often, most of those terms, I would say, include not purely just the practical knowledge or the local ecological knowledge, but they include um, uh, some of the spiritual beliefs, worldview, uh, language, history, etc., Um, and, uh, yeah, essentially uh,
1: Essentially it's knowledge derived from, um, pre-scientific communities.
0: Yeah, I suppose, I suppose it's, well, yeah. And you can get into a very important question. What is knowledge, right? Um, but if you're willing to take a broad view of knowledge, knowledge is whatever the communal set of beliefs is, then you can, then you can go with those terms. Um, You know, of course, exactly that issue, if not addressed early, comes back to raise its ugly head later on. You know, what is knowledge? How do you know it's knowledge? You know, um, and uh, and you can get away with ignoring that in certain contexts, but not in a science curriculum. Right. So um, and so that issue comes back up later on. Right. Um, But it's been popular in many places, especially often Canada is is where you see this most prominently um, or taking the lead. Um, and clearly, Canadian scholars on this have been influential in New Zealand, um, you know, that, that it is not just something that exists and can be treasured by those communities. It's something that should be promoted by institutions in a country um, is, is a I would call it a modern um, uh, point, especially by um, activists on the left, I would say, especially by um, progressives. Um, this has become quite a high priority. And, you know, you could see a way in which all of this could work out reasonably well and not cause a lot of battles, right? But that's not, doesn't appear to be what happened in New Zealand. And a lot of it's because of the fundamental, um, uh, what, as far as I can tell, failure to think seriously about what are you actually doing um, when, this, when this sort of uh, topic encounters modern science, right? Um, and as far as I can tell, it's still, I, I got to make a general comment on the New Zealand scholarly ecosystem on this area, it has failed to deal seriously with this issue. There's a lot of stuff published, but none of it is worth very much, I got to say. Like it um, is not dealing with obvious issues, right, about evidence and what is knowledge and how do you tell what knowledge is. Epistemology in the classic sense, right? Um, yeah. yeah uh, there's just, a lot just, of political sorry, posturing can, can, and a lot of gestures, is my my view. Um, yeah, and a lot can of confusion. I
1: just, just, just you know, we, when you're saying what is knowledge, I mean, there's I, I say have knowledge of, say the a, a mythological knowledge. So you know, a certain god did this on you know to, to mm-hmm. that other god. That is that is knowledge. But then there's scientific knowledge, which is actually based on scientific principles and which, uh, you know, for want of a better word, um, is true, where a, yes. mytholo- a, a, myth, a myth mythological knowledge is just a made-up story.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, you can have knowledge of a myth, right? Yes. It is true to say that a myth exists or a legend exists, and you could accurately or inaccurately describe that, right? Um, just like you can say that you can have accurate knowledge of J.R. Tolkien's, you know, works or whatever, right? Um but yeah, but what, usually what we're talking about in science, the point in science is to have knowledge about reality, well, right? Well, going back, um, going back yeah. to your T-shirt, yeah, yeah, you know, that, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I mean
1: that—that that is scientific knowledge. That is something that actually exists
0: in the world. Yeah, it exists for microseconds because these yeah. um, <laughs> these human-created elements <laughs> decay very yes, quickly. But like, um, yeah, they, but they existed it, for a detectable exist. amount of time. Um, yeah, it's not yeah, math. well. Yeah, and that, that's the whole point, right? Like. And it's, I see a lot in New Zealand, I see a lot of wishful thinking, um, trying to have it both ways, trying to avoid controversies um, by fudging sort of conceptual clarity on topics. And it only works for a while. And then all those issues you've swept under the rug can come back up um, you know, it's, once it's, the conflicts start happening.
1: Would you say it's trying to give scientific credence to something that's not scientific?
0: I think that's, I, yes, is the short version. I think, I mean, I think the reason this was pushed very hard into the curriculum, so we didn't, we didn't finish the story. There was this 2018 curriculum reform. There was feedback that said we need more status for Mataranga Maori, indigenous knowledge. Um, uh, This stuff was written up in, um, you know, they worked on it 2019, 2020. um, And the standards came out in 2021, uh, the first drafts of the standards. Um, and there's a whole detailed story about what happened specifically with the chemistry uh, standards, where this uh, Mori thing came in. We've got several drafts of them. The first draft was a pretty normal chemistry draft. I had issues with it in terms of it didn't seem very ambitious, but um, but it was it had pretty much normal scientific content. Um, the second draft from the middle of 2021 included this: uh, uh, you know, Mori is present in all matter, or all all particles contain Mori was the phrase as well as a number of other elements, right? The word evolution was kind of systematically replaced with the word whakapapa right? Which in New Zealand, in Te Reo Maori, the Maori language, whakapapa is sort of a general word. It means, it can mean heritage, inheritance. Um, uh, uh, it can mean ancestry, right? It's kind of all of those concepts mixed yeah, together. Ge- genealogy, isn't it? Genealogy, yeah. Um, and so, you, you know, it means a bunch of those things. And, you know, and I don't, have a huge objection to if you want to say that evolution is is a a part of fakapapa in a sense right because it is about genealogy um evolutionary relationship but it's it's pretty clear if you do that that's fine but it's pretty clear that's not exactly what was in the minds of you know uh maori speakers 200 years ago right it was it wasn't really evolution it was um so it's an extension of the language to do that and I think you do lose something in science education if you remove the word evolution, right? Um, because that does mean something quite specific in modern biology, right? And there's even a tendency, there's a, it's, it's, it's a tendency um, in American schools, right? To avoid the E word evolution because people are trying to avoid the controversies that have resulted historically from battles about the E word evolution. So it's a little disturbing to see that in New Zealand. Um, and there were a variety of other problematic elements in this science curriculum. Um, uh, you know, the bit about Maury well, wasn't just in the sort of text of the curriculum. It was in the learning matrix, right, which is what the basis of the exams is. So there was this question, you know, are you really going to have a chemistry exam? And then you're going to ask students on the chemistry exam, like question one, you know, what are acids and bases and question two, you know. What force, you know, do all particles have? Right. <laughs> More, Right. Like you just it didn't take any kind of extrapolation to see the train crash that was coming. Right. Um, so but we didn't find out about this until late in 2021. But it's clear that the science teachers in New Zealand objected at the time to the draft before it was public. And there were dozens and dozens of critical comments um, that were you know, done in the behind the scenes stuff at the Ministry of Education. And we now have access to the response from the Ministry of Education, which basically said the policy is um, equal status for Maturanga Maori and Western knowledge, right? And they, and they basically said, Western, we see your sorry, Western, Western knowledge or
1: Western science?
0: I believe the overall policy is uh, Western knowledge. Right? Um, right. Because this well, was we, about, the, so I yeah. didn't use the, the key term, for uh, the overall policy behind all of this. So in the NCEA curriculum reform that was, uh, and now you can see it in the 2019 documents, um, there were seven principles about how that reform was going to occur. And some of them were pretty normal issues, like you know, we're going to keep NCEA level one. We're going to change this and that. But point two was called mana orite, right? And mana orite, it was mana orite colon equal status from Maturanga Maori. Right? And they met Maturanga Maori. And I believe Western knowledge was the was the overall uh, thing. Now, there's you can see there's actually uh, and then Western science, you know, so if you take that and put it in science, it's equal status for Maturanga Maori and Western science. The term Western science has caused its own battles, because if you say science is Western, well, then, um, you know, one point of view would say, well, that just means science is, you know, it's just another culturally specific point of view, you know, and every culture has their own thing. That's one well, possible well, implication. Just, on the other I... hand, it can turn the other way and say, oh, well, the Westerners are the ones with the science um, and everybody else doesn't have it. And that can be insulting in its own way. But those two things go in completely opposite directions, right? Yeah. Who are you helping and who are you insulting with those phrases? So Western science eventually got dropped as a term as well. Yeah. Well, um, just yeah. just
1: on that, I did a whole podcast with Steven Pinker. Oh, yeah. And, you know, essentially... Um, you know, what he says, and uh, to me, I, I completely agree. There's no such thing as Western science. It's yeah, just it's... science. And also, I really, a uh, big bugbear of mine is this, you know, concept of Western knowledge. There's just knowledge. Yeah, it's all very you know, problematic, and, and, right? Um, and, and as, it's... yeah, you know, Stephen said, um, yeah. you know, everything has to come from somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, knowledge is knowledge. And in a sense, it doesn't really matter where it comes from or who, who came up with
0: it. Yeah, we well, I, I basically agree, right? It all depends. Like, there's you can argue that there's such a thing as Western literature or Western politics or something, and maybe those are knowledges, and maybe you know that in that sense there's Western knowledge. But yeah, science yeah, is supposed but, to be universal. It, That's the whole but point, right? I, I can be Chinese and read War and Peace, and
1: and be totally in love with Tol- Tolstoy. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm a, I'm a musician. Um. There is such thing as Western classical music. Some of the greatest proponents of Western classical music are Asian. Yeah. And so I, and, and, and the fact the fact that you're, you know, the, the accident of birth doesn't preclude you from um, taking part in, in knowledge from other peoples. And so yeah, it's it's just a big, bit of a bugbear of mine. I can't. Yeah, well I, I think those are reasonable points, right? It's um, yeah.
0: you know, in all these discussions you have to I've found that there's a lot of reliance on strategic ambiguity amongst people pushing these sorts of changes through the ministry of education. Right. And so, you know, often things have a, it's like, well, if you give it a reasonable interpretation, maybe it's okay. But the same language is open to an unreasonable or, I mean, another reasonable interpretation of the language, but producing an unreasonable outcome that only the sort of really extreme activists would endorse. Right. Um, and that usually, um, can cause lots of other damage to other, other things. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot of pieces there. But um, but yeah, the overall policy, right, was this uh, uh, mana or equal status for, for uh, Mataranga Maori. And this is clearly a response to the feedback in a sense that at least one section of the feedback said we need more status for Mataranga Maori. And even then, there would have been a way to enact that policy that um, didn't cause big controversies, right? Um, because in something like literature or art in New Zealand, it seems entirely reasonable to me that you... You know, if you you could have a curriculum that would be like all I don't know English classics, Shakespeare, etc., and you could completely ignore um, uh, you know Maori works of art and Maori literature, um, you know, and I think in New Zealand it's reasonable to say, well, we don't want to do that. We would like to include you know um, uh, Maori art, Maori literature in a literature class taught in New Zealand. Why, that why, why not
1: have a whole course in Maori?
0: Well, you that, could, so... Yeah,
1: um, that would seem to be the logical thing. Well, yes, And but those, and those who I'll wanted say, yeah. to do it could do it, and those who didn't, didn't.
0: Yeah, it, um, I mean, where does this go in the uh, high school curriculum, right, um, is a question. Like, I don't have a strong opinion. There might be a way yeah. to pull this off. Um, you... Uh, and then who would teach it is yet another question, right? Um, uh do you actually have, you know, people actually qualified to teach it? Does it have, I mean, just to, if I'm the guy asking the uncomfortable questions, you know, on this proposal, which in some sense I could, I could see being reasonable in, in, in some universe somewhere, um, you know, uh, what is the core content of that class, right? Does everyone agree what Maturanga Maori is? Every, does everyone who's, who's Maori agree? Are there local variants between different Iwi, different tribes in New Zealand? Um, and the answer is yes, there are. And you, if you don't read very far, you'll find out that there are some differences. So then what do you teach? Does every local area get a different flavor? If it's NCEA, the whole point of NCEA is to produce qualifying exams, right? So do you want there to be exams on this material? Who decides what the right answers are in these exams? Who marks the exams? On and on, right? So it's I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's non-trivial. Right. Um, Yeah. Right. And, but the thing is, if you're going to bother, uh, you know, making a point of it to put the stuff into NCEA, for example, the government backed curriculum, the government backed exams. Um, you actually do have to answer these kinds of questions, right? Whether or not it's in a specific class or not. Um, and this is, the entire paradox, well, one of the, one of the huge paradoxes of the whole thing, right? Which is that, um, the phrase that I wish more actors in New Zealand, you know, use or would be aware of would be, um, pay to play, right? Pay to play. You, like, if you're going to engage in certain things in, uh, science, in education, in government, etc. Um, uh, you you can give it a shot, but you have to. But you're then engaging, and when you're engaging, then you have to answer all of the questions that come along with anything else that's being involved in science or education or government, right? And so these kinds of questions: What's on the exam, right? Who's the authority that decides, right? Is that material? Um, if it's a Madaruga Maori course, right? Is that material? Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Is it contestable, right? In science, if you think some scientific fact is wrong, you can stick your hand up and say, that's wrong. Here's the evidence that says it's wrong. Here's the peer-reviewed publications that say it's wrong. And then people either agree or they disagree, but there's a a forum and a channel for that, right? And there's a way to make a decision. What about Madaruga Maori? Does it have any of that, right? Um, And then who, even if it is contestable, who's allowed to contest it, right? Right. you, you could say anybody can contest it, right? That would be one point of view. Um, you could say only Maori can contest it. Maybe only sufficiently authorized Maori scholars can do it. And then you're back to who's, who's teaching this. Do you, have, do you actually have you know, authorized um, people teaching this material, right? And is it a matter of everyone just, you know, all the students sit there and are just absorb this stuff without being able to question it or can they question it? on and on and on. Right. Um, so pay to plate, like if you engage, then these questions come along, it's intrinsic to the matter. Right. Um, uh, and so you can say, Oh, equal status. Um, you can have a top-down policy that says you're going to give it equal status, but the devil's in the details. And, uh, uh, you know, the problems come up sooner or later if, uh, if you don't have answers to these questions. So, I mean, Charles Royal, right. Who, uh, Charles Royal's a, a noted uh, scholar in New Zealand, expert on Maturanga Maori. Um, he authored the, the research sector has a vision Maturanga policy, which is um, many grant applications. You are, it's either recommended or required that you include a statement about what does this research you know, do to advance Maori interests in various ways, um, and he, he wrote that policy. Anyway, he wrote an article this year that kind of blew me away Um, because he noted after we've had several years of controversy in the curriculum, um, he noted some of these controversies and then he said something in the article, like, you know, maybe we should think about having a sort of uh, a Maori standards board or something like this, you know, that could, an authority that could tell the government what the correct answers are on these kinds of questions. Right. And, and I, I mean, I respect a lot, Charles Royal a lot, but, but that reading that passage just made me, you know, rub my forehead because, um, you know, somebody should have thought of that before a national policy was announced and launched and rolled out through the schools. Right. Like it, it wasn't, I think, uh, uh, a huge leap to think that these kinds of controversies should occur, could occur. Right. And and that you would have to ha- have a way of making these decisions and judgment calls. Right. Um, but instead, what happened was kind of a top down policy was announced for ideological purposes. It was shoved through everything. Um Sometimes it can work OK if you have the right teacher or the right people on the committee and a topic where it you know makes some amount of sense. Other places, it can just lead to a train wreck, which is what happened in chemistry and biology, right, where the science teachers revolted. They were overridden. That doesn't stop anything like, you know, you, <laughs> science isn't an area where you can just declare, right, Ah, the policy is this. So this is the truth. That's not how it works. You know, every scientist in their upbringing, right, has the model of Galileo right, which is, it doesn't matter how high your authority is, if the evidence is against you, right, then scientists can stand with the evidence. And so, and this is why science is always knowing to political ideologues and people in power, which is there's an independent source of authority apart from the political system and whoever's in charge at the moment, right, and that standard is evidence and self-consistency and logic and things like that. And, you know, all the scientists, we, we secretly want to be Galileo, right? It's you know, that's like great. That's the best thing you could be. So, so it's like it's almost like we're eager to have that, you know, if it comes up. So, so, um, anyway, it's quite entertaining, right? When you get a clear case like that, because you know, all of the sensitivities, you know, many of us were very nervous about addressing anything in the space. I was, you know, I'm no expert. Just um, what,
1: why, yeah. why were you nervous? I'm interested.
0: Well, it is extremely clear, right? Um, after having been at the University of Auckland for a few years, right, it's extremely clear that there's a chilled discussion over these topics, right, and that they're at least a few years ago.
1: Elaborate what you mean by a chilled.
0: Well, um, you can see you can see the fear in the eyes of the administrators when this topic comes up, right, just as a gut feeling thing. Um, you can see obvious controversies and obvious discussions that any scientist would raise if they were just... Uh, Operating on their own recognizance, you can see those discussions avoided, right? Um, And this is so; these are just general, general issues. What what are Um, they scared of? Well, uh, I think they're scared, and this is a little bit like a lot of other recent controversies in academia, right? There's a politically correct um, point of view on something, and uh, and there's a risk of getting mobbed, right, um, online, or getting harassed by administrators or whatever for having the wrong view, right? Or just getting negative reactions from colleagues who have signed up to whatever the, the politically correct view is, right? So there's a number of topics like this. Gender is one, um, uh, to some Trend, extent. trans uh, issue. Yeah, that, that's an obvious one, right? Um, yeah. uh, you know, maybe nuclear energy, uh, GMOs are a little bit older topics, right? Um, race is a huge one, right? Um, uh, and, uh, uh and, you know, cancellations of historic figures has been a hot one that I've been a little bit involved with because some evolutionists have been on the hot seat, right, for um, sins of the past. Um, anyway, on, on these kinds of topics, you know, I would say that the kind of progressive consensus um, became very hardened in the last few years after, you know, during and after the Trump presidency. And there was a real, you know, reaction against Trump, legitimately so but it created a real hard edge to a lot of these issues, I think. And, um, uh, and made it such that if you stuck your hand up and said, Oh, you know, I don't, this bit of what you're saying doesn't really seem to make sense. At least a few years ago, you could get your head bitten off. Right. And so, um, uh, and there was an extremely famous example of that in New Zealand, right. Which was the listener letter controversy of 2021, right. Which I'm sure you're quite familiar with, but, um, just to review it very quickly, uh, so I mentioned that we found about the Maori and chemistry thing in late 2021, but all of that was preceded by what happened around, I think it was July 2020, uh, 2021, uh, seven professors at the University of Auckland wrote a letter objecting to the bit that they saw that was problematic in the developing NCEA curriculum. And it was this uh, uh, equal status language, right? Equal status for Maduranga Maori language and the language they objected to did say something specifically about, I think equal status for Maturanga Maori and West, uh, and Western science. Right. And so they raised, they, they wrote a letter to the magazine, the weekly magazine, the listener, and the letter said it was only 300 words, but it basically said, you know, um, you know, science is in Western science has all kinds of, uh, uh, cultural sources, including the Arabic world, Chinese world, ancient Greece, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it said uh, equal status doesn't make much sense in this space, right um, And they said, you know there are places where there certainly is knowledge that can be considered scientific in terms of local ecological knowledge um, in terms of uh, uh, skills, navigation skills of Polynesians and other famous examples right um, but they, and they had some line, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it essentially said but this doesn't add up all the way to you know I, I science, think it right? was
1: I think it was um, Matananga Maori. Falls short of what can be
0: deemed science yeah, could fall short of what could be deemed science. Right. Which is, you know, um, there might be ways to say that more diplomatically. Um, and there might be, um, uh, you know, if you get all into the the sort of limited set of examples that are, you know, that are some things that you can sort of treat well in science, right. That, that those bits are science. I think they, you know, they basically would acknowledge that. Um, but yeah, that overall, uh, statement, right. Was, uh, uh, caused a huge controversy, right? Um, now, uh, the controversy included, I don't know, a 1,000 or 2,000 New Zealand academics, mostly writing a response letter, right, condemning them. Um, uh, just, just, but, on the, just on just yeah. on that, I, I got Steven Pinker to go through that. Yeah.
1: And, um, yeah, you can see that in, in my episode with him. Yeah, yeah, Science. so, yeah, and, and, and sure and, Steven Pinker, right, and... and he was it you know it wasn't wasn't the glowing um yeah it wasn't a a glowing commendation you know report on on what was said in that letter
0: yeah well sure the from um stephen well I, I imagine he's been you know Stephen pinker has been in the kind of skeptics community for decades, right, and the skeptics community this is usually scientists academics who have you know who make a point of it to point out pseudoscience or um other problematic intellectual claims, um, out there, right. Uh, uh, you know, Madaruga Maori in science is not the first case where these sorts of battles have occurred. There's the whole creationism thing. There's been controversies in North America about indigenous knowledge claims, which, you know, sometimes are these unproblematic things like we talked about, but sometimes are, you know, drastically at odds with what modern science says, right. Um, there's one about, um, you know, how long have humans been in, the Americas, right? And that has moved some over the, you know, more evidence has accumulated that maybe humans were here somewhat earlier than scientists originally thought. Um, But there's no way you can say humans have always been there. But there are traditional beliefs that say they were always there, you know, been there forever, that kind of thing. And, and, um, you know, uh, uh, you just got to tell it like it is, you know, according to the best evidence of the day. Um, And sometimes that can cause controversy. So, and there's a variety of other Things like that. So, anyway, I believe uh, so one of the letter authors was Michael Corballis from psychology at the University of Auckland. And I believe he had a long relationship with Steven Pinker in terms of one of them mentored the other one, something like that. Um, uh, uh, and so uh, I'm sure Steven Pinker paid close attention to that. Um, Mike Corballis, you know, since passed away. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the reactions to that letter were, were immediate and strong. Uh, that 2000 some people, you know, signed the letter. Um, the head of school, the, the vice chancellor of the university issued public issued commentaries, right. Um, sometimes sort of defending academic freedom. Um, I wouldn't call any of it, you know, exactly a scintillating defense of academic freedom. Some of them did at least, you know, sort of acknowledge it, but they also said things about colonialism and, you know, we need, uh, uh, uh you know, uh, race, systematic racism and colonialism are these huge problems and yada, yada. And, you know, and, and we condemn all of that. And, um, even the, you know, one of the more outrageous ones was the TEU, the teachers education or tertiary education union, right. Which ought to have the purpose of defending the academic freedom of academics, right. That's one of the top two or three things, the union, the academic union ought to do, right. They issued a particularly harsh, um, response, which really, really ticked me off because, uh, You know, if if an academic union can't defend academic freedom, you know, and again, they may have said a little bit positive about academic freedom, but basically they issued this condemnatory thing. Now, um, anyway, anyone, you know, like me, I actually, you know, I had heard that this was coming a little, just a little bit before it happened. And I actually was suggested, oh, would you be interested in signing at the time? I was like, no, you know. I basically agree, but I'm not going to get in. And at the time I was glad that I did. Right. Because I was like, you know, I'm a junior scholar in a sense, right. I've only been here a few years. Um, I'm not a professor. All the people who signed us were professors, which are the hardest ones to cancel. You know, if if there's going to be a cancellation attempt. Um, uh, so, but at the time I was glad I did because it did at the time, I'll describe my own personal point of view. It did seem like maybe at the time that the professor listener writers were Coming down like a ton of bricks on a minor issue, right? At the time, I thought, oh, you know, they're kind of picking on this thing. that The bit of the NCEA text that they commented on was was actually about the Maori language curriculum, right? So there's an English language curriculum and a Maori language curriculum, Te Reo Maori language curriculum, and it seemed like, well, maybe you're picking on their curriculum a little bit, and maybe you know, you could argue about this, but maybe they can do what they want in the in the in the to maori curriculum um you know maybe they have some different priorities you know maybe it's not for us to judge you can sort of see how that you know is a is a possibility um and so at the time i was like well you know um maybe maybe not worth getting involved in six months later we find out about the chemistry maori and chemistry thing we discovered that this policy wasn't just for the maori language curriculum it was for all the curriculum for everybody um And not just in certain subjects, all subjects, including chemistry and boom. So then, you know, that completely flips this issue, right? Um, for a lot of us science people, because suddenly we are, you know, on the wrong side of a new, um, uh, you know, political orthodoxy being mandated throughout science education. Right. And, uh, uh, and that is the time to speak up, right. Um, Ideally it would never get that far. Ideally the people in charge would know better, but they didn't. So, so then 2022 was, you know, quite a, quite a year of controversy about this. Um, Paul Kilmartin, a chemistry professor at Auckland, he was maybe the first one to really stick his neck out. Um, but in an extremely polite and scholarly way, but he gave a seminar in January, 2022, um, uh, to the chemistry department, but a lot of us went along and, uh, uh you know, and again, when he was introduced by the head of school, um, you could see the fear in the eyes of the head of school of addressing this issue. He it was, it was just like, really? Is this really such a sensitive topic? You know, And Paul Kilmart did. He was very careful. But in the end, he basically said, you know, if Maury is a real force, I want to know the evidence for it. And if it's a real force in atoms and chemistry, you know, it shouldn't just be taught in... The New Zealand chemistry curriculum, it should be taught in all the curricula of all the chemistry classes exactly. around the world, right? Exactly. <laughs> Which mm. is just truth and shouldn't be controversial mm. and nobody should be nervous about saying it, that, it, it, right? And the people who ought to be nervous are the people who disagree with that. Like, yeah. the, you know, that's where – and it the the irresponsibility of people who think that alternative point of view, right? And the people who push that through government, right? That's, that's what we should be thinking about. That's pretty outrageous, is what it is. So, um, uh, you know,
1: and. Just, just, just on that point, um, just for the listeners, I did a podcast with Paul Kilmartin. So mm. you can look that one up. And mm-hmm. also, I've done a, a very long podcast
0: with Charles Royal, who you mentioned earlier. Yeah, so yeah.
1: It's, it's worth, worth listening to those as reference points.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So you've probably covered uh, fair bits of this pretty well. So, anyway.
1: No, no this, is, this is actually really good. This, I mean, this is what I got you on for sort of the history yeah, so- of, of what's happened.
0: So if you want, I guess we'll try and finish up the history But um, So anyway, there was raging controversy. A lot more people got involved then, I think, because suddenly you could really see the hazards here. Um, but yeah, there were controversies throughout 2022. Um, but there was no motion from the Ministry of Education through that whole time. Paul Kilburn published an academic article in the New Zealand Journal of Chemistry. I did a blog post. Um, there was a, Richard Dawkins and others commented, right? Um, uh, uh, so there was some international negative attention coming towards New Zealand. Um, and, uh, and the political winds in general in New Zealand were shifting, you know, another piece of this was that labor had gotten reelected in a landslide in 2020 and the peak of the pandemic, because labor had quite an effective pandemic response, they'd eliminated COVID from New Zealand temporarily. Um, and so there was a, for 2020 and 2021, I think there was this, you know, wave amongst progressives that like the revolution is now, you know? we're in charge the voters are with us now is the time to push our get our whole agenda through right and i think that i think that took off any sort of caution barriers from a lot of their policies and and it didn't have to go this way but the way it went was crash and burn in the science curriculum so um so anyway so a lot of people got interested in 2022 and i'm sure there was a lot more behind the scenes i only get it's very hard to get anything clear out of what's going on with science teachers and with the ministry of education because they don't talk publicly and we even did some freedom of information requests and you get back bits and pieces, but you don't get anything like a coherent story. But at the end of 2022, a new draft of the curriculum was announced and a bunch of the stuff had been pulled out. Right. Um, Including the, uh, uh, line about, uh, Maury and the, and the Adams. And there was even, um, uh, well, this is a slightly different story. Some of it did remain. Um, and there's a line that's still in the, in the science standards that, uh, it's pretty uh, wild. Let me just bring it up here. Um, I should have had it ready to go. Damn. Oh, so there in the same document that took Maury out of the main chemistry curriculum text, um, uh, there's a, a bit that says, uh, "Consider how the physical properties of matter are affected by the relative strengths of interactions." between particles, atoms, ions, and molecules, all right, so it's sort of weird language, but it's basically basic chemistry stuff, um, but in the further discussion part, it says, uh, revisit the concept of Mori, referencing Gift gulf.org.nz, which is a kind of a conservation organization, and it says, this learning can sit beside learnings in atomic theory, right, so, some, and this is a new bit that was stuck in when the old stuff was taken out, right? So this learning can sit beside learnings in atomic theory. If you click on that link, it's got a pretty detailed presentation of, I would call it the spiritual view of Maori, in the context of conserving, you know, regions yeah. but it still basically has life force and everything. Well, can I um, can
1: I actually read I, I've got it here.
0: Yeah. If
1: you click on that link, you get what is Maori? And it says, Maori is the force that interpenetrates all things to bind and knit them together, and as the various elements diverse uh, diversity maori acts as a bonding element creating unity and diversity now um you know i'm just a humble ex-music teacher but to mm. me that is just
0: gobbledygook yeah i mean you can see like like i'm always the the wimpy agnostic right i'm not the <laughs> richard dawkins hardcore atheist but yeah know. Um, yeah, <sighs> But but if like if you if you that, like is sort not, that is not science. Well, it's that's just the thing. Not it's science. not science. It's, it's it, right? just, so, it's just wor- yeah. to me,
1: that is word yeah. salad. And like, you know, why knock yourself out if you want the, to do word salad, but it's not yeah. science. This is the thing. So why, so why are they referencing it in the science curriculum? Well,
0: that's exactly right. And they're referencing it because clearly some people working on the science standards are still true believers in what they tried before, right? Um And people from the top maybe overruled them and took it out, but then somebody stuck it back in as the... Who knows, but that's the obvious interpretation. So so um,
1: so where are we yeah. up to now? so in in essence we've we've had this instantiation of non-scientific concepts into the science curriculum. we've had had you know some pretty high level academics come against it, um and then some controversy around that. Um I've done a whole series of podcasts with some of the world's you know greatest scientists, um other people who have done lots of work as well. you know you referenced paul, paul McCartney. Um, not Paul McCartney, Paul, Paul Martin. Martin. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so where are we up to now? We've just got this one sort of final reference that you mentioned with the, a link to the gift. Ah, uh, yeah. There's some that, other
0: with... problematic stuff in the curriculum still. Yeah. What, what so. is it? Well, so yeah, there was this attempt throughout the curriculum, right, to sort of include Maori wherever you could you know, and sometimes that's plausible and sometimes it's like a real stretch, right? And sorry, are you talking about the whole curriculum or the science curriculum? Uh, well, I'm thinking of maths at the moment, yeah. but um, yeah, math. the stuff I've looked at is is, <laughs> math, is science and maths, right? Wow. Um, and, wow. you know, and so the maths curriculum has some weird features, you know, a bunch of it's normal, but, but it includes sort of a very long, pages-long preface about sort of cultural, uh, you know... Uh, Safety, sensitivity, the importance of students, you know, um, bringing their whole selves into the classroom, this kind of rhetoric, right, which is extremely common in progressive education spaces. And none of it's about math, right? It's just all this other stuff. And it's hard to even connect it to math, but somebody felt the need to put this long-winded thing at the beginning. So, you know, people so can we've, just ig- we've ignore essentially,
1: that. But... Essentially, when we, when we go into math classroom, we have to all walk on, walk on eggshells.
0: Well, that is clearly what's communicated. A good teacher would back themselves and ignore all this, right? But um, so, I mean, I I, I,
1: yeah, I've I've taught you know I've taught music for forty years. Mm. Um, you teach music?
0: Yeah. Well, you know that's what you would think. Um, but somebody felt the need. It's like this, you know. There's something hammering in the back of the heads of, of you got to say it. Progressive education leaders that they just got to, you know. You got to do something in this area so you got to say something is, even if it even if there's there nothing any, really to say about math is there any um,
1: evidence to back
0: that ideology
1: up? oh i mean does it, does it improves do, do outcomes? we get better marks and all that sort of stuff
0: um i that's these are i've not researched that in detail i'd, I'd be skeptical right because usually what you see when you look up things claims like this is small studies with enthusiastic teachers and not very controlled, you know, and a huge amount of kind of it's, it's you hear similar things again and again, but I'm not an education professor. It would be it's very interesting when you delve into any educational controversy and you try and figure out what the evidence is that you end up just, you know, going in circles because it's usually yeah. mostly ideology and not a lot of it's And it's hard to do. You know, it's it's quite challenging to do controlled experiments. But anyway, that yeah. wasn't even yeah. the main thing in math. The main yeah. thing that struck me was um you go into the example exercises that they have. Right. And they have one that's, um, you know, is advertising in example maths. This is NCA level one maths example exercises being, you know, um, relevance to Pacific issues. Right. Um, it's OK. It's a math example that's relevant to Pacific issues. That could be that could be interesting. But you click on it and it's a trigonometry exercise. that's about um, uh, the Purakau, the sort of story or narrative or legend of Maui and the sun.
1: Right. Well, so there's meth,
0: a, a. Meth. Well, this is in the math yeah. curriculum, but yeah. yeah but yeah. for listeners who are unfamiliar, there's a, I guess, fairly famous legend, right, about uh, Maui, a hero um, who uh, slowed down the sun by tying a, a rope made of flax. You know, made a, made a rope. He and his brothers made a rope out of flax and tied down the sun, and somehow or other, that slowed down the passage of the sun across the sky, so that they had longer days to do their their work and stuff, right? So that's a charming story. Um, you know. Uh, uh, but but this exercise has students doing trigonometry on it, right? And students are supposed to work out, you know, how much flax and rope did the brothers have to weave, and how long did it have to be, you know, to tie down the sun, right? And you think about this for a second, and you know, what do you what do you do with this? Like, um, if if everyone agreed that this is just you know purely a legend, and everyone you know, and and uh, and it's essentially a, a silly story. Right, like maybe everyone could have a good sense of humor about it, right? And be like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever. It'd be like doing a exercise on some work of fiction, right? Um, uh, you know, and you say, okay, well, if the sun's a hundred meters across, and if the sun's not the temperature of the sun, if the sun is, you know, just a, sort of a hot rock, um, and uh, then you could figure, and you know, and the sun is, you know, one kilometer above the above the land surface. Well, then you could do the trigonometry exercise, right? But yeah, no, none of those assumptions is, has any bearing on reality, right? Uh, and, uh, 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 you know, in this further issues, you know, if you take the only way this makes any sense is if you assume a flat Earth cosmology, right? Where the sun comes up over the edge. So Maui and his brothers can voyage to the edge and catch the sun when it's coming out of the pit or whatever, um, right? And so, so what what do you do this? And this is in this sort of, you know, Exercise, uh, mat, doing maths for an important, you know, yeah. relevance to the Pacific uh, peoples, right? Like, but you're setting up this thing that, you know, if anyone, I, I'd be surprised if anyone actually does this exercise, but because you can just see the chaos that would ensue, right? Um, but amongst other things, right, is like, either, either you have to treat it as a very silly story and just, you know, write it off as being okay, this is just a silly legend, um, but of course that contradicts all of the other rhetoric about, you know, equal status for indigenous knowledge and treating all cultures with respect and everything. Right. Or if you take it seriously, you end up shooting yourself in the foot in a different way because you end up telling a completely impossible story, right. That's at variance with all of our knowledge of the sun and the earth and the distances and the sizes and everything. Um, and you end up just disproving it in a dramatically throw away. Right. It'd be, it would be it's, so. It's a, I, I compare it to doing like it's like assigning students an exercise on Noah's Ark, right? Well, how many that's, animals? That's ex- I was going to say yeah. exactly the same you thing. Know, what how happens many animals if We put Jesus Noah's in there, or, yeah, yeah. you know,
1: or the Holy Trinity in yeah. a math yeah. in um, a math exercise. Yeah. So you yeah, know, How I, many animals? Yeah, animals on the Noah's yeah, Ark. I, yeah, yeah no, it, and even or world, an odd
0: number in a world where everyone's chill about that. I suppose it could be sort of entertaining, but but this is but my, exactly well, not my, a chill my point, area, right? Like,
1: my point but, would be if but, they instantiated the Noah's Ark into the math curriculum, in an example, there would be an enormous uproar. Sure, Ob- annoy everybody, reason. right? Yeah.
0: yeah. It wouldn't just be us, yeah. it would be everyone else. The skeptics, the fundamentalists would be annoyed, anybody well, who takes all their all own-
1: pro- pro- All the progressives, st- all the progressives would be hard out
0: against oh, it. Oh, well, sure, they would be annoyed too for their yeah. own reasons, right? Yeah. so but in this case this is recommend it's, it's still on the New Zealand government's Ministry wow. of Education NCA wow. website right and um, and I've raised it and you know you don't get much out of people they don't want to engage on the issue but so um, who, who have you raised you know, it with Oh just you know on Twitter basically and right, you know, yeah. and, and, and right. talking to people but um, uh, you know I could and this is the thing I, I still debate how much am I going to engage on this issue because you know I can have my opinions I can do a few podcasts. But, you know, how how big do I want to make this, right? Like, because uh, it's already just following it and doing a little bit eats a lot of time, right? And, you know, I do okay, have other well, things to do. Let's yeah.
1: address why is yeah. it important that we spend time talking about this? Why yeah, is it so, important what actually goes into the science and mathematics curriculum? That's a
0: great question. Um, and it's important because science is, in case, uh, science is important um, in, in modern society, right? All of us, like literally physically, our actual lives, you know, the reason most of us are here is because of scientific advances, right? And most of the modern conveniences we have, and many of the modern problems we have, right, are a result of technology based on science, right? Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, it's like Carl Sagan said back in the day, he said something like, you know, we have this paradox where modern civilization is careening ahead built on the scientific foundation but not enough people understand what the basis of it all is. Right. Um, and he said, this is a recipe for disaster. So, uh, you know, if you want to make good decisions about, you know, the health and, and, uh, wealth of humans, right. Um, uh, you need to have some understanding of modern science. You want an educated population, you want an educated electorate. Um, and so part of that is having them get some reasonable understanding of science and, to do that, I would argue you need to have good science education, not you know pseudoscience education, right? And so that that's a pretty simple argument. Um, uh, but and really, it, like and the other thing that is probably most infuriating, right, is you know especially if you're worried about equity, right? If you're worried about um, uh, the fact that people in science professions, um, people in you know high paying technology positions. Yeah, you know, this will vary by region to region, but often it's the case, right, that it's um, people from wealthier backgrounds, people historically a more white, maybe Asian population tend to have a higher frequency in those occupations, right? If you want to fix that, you gotta, you know, get more equity into the arid, initial science education, right? You gotta bring people up um, at the introductory levels, um, if you, you know, if you teach a segment of the introductory level pseudoscience, right? You're just disadvantaging them for those higher levels. Right. Um, And so if you're actually serious about equity, you need the high quality introductory science education for everybody. Um, And you don't, you know, need to shave off chunks of that population and teach them something else entirely. Right. So that's if you were serious about equity instead of just sort of, you know, having rhetoric about it and sort of taking random stabs at policies that, you know, make, make, a particular, you know, usually set of kind of uh, academic activists, I guess, feel better, something like that. Um, you know, so uh, uh, I uh, so it's particularly surprising for that point of view. So um, now, anyway, there are more pieces to that. At, at some point, maybe we'll be able to write an article sort of detailing all of this in a lot of detail. But that gives you the sort of broad outline. Yeah. Um, who knows what's going to happen next? The government has now switched. There was an election. Um uh in late 2023 and uh, uh the government has now switched to a sort of center-right government so labor is out the new education minister is erica stanford and she has um indicated that in general she's got a priority on sort of back to basics education you would think she would take a close look at this ncea stuff and um uh yeah, start over <laughs> probably um but um who knows? Institutions and things like ministries of education, right? Are these behemoths and turning the ship around, right, is uh, uh, it's like turning an aircraft carrier. So uh, who knows if she's got the uh, the vision and the sort of motivation to push hard to to get everything back on um, uh, a strong science curriculum. I mean, if it were up to me, New Zealand, even before all this, New Zealand had what I would call a weak curriculum. You know, um, it had a very short, very general curriculum on all subjects, including science, right? Australia, the story is Australia has like a thousand page curriculum, right? That covers all the main subjects, including science and New Zealand, the whole thing was less than a hundred pages. Right. And there's a lot of local control and, you know, individual schools, individual teachers can do what they want. And that's got some strengths, um, because if there's silly stuff, maybe they can just ignore it. Um, But it's also got some weaknesses in that, you know, you depend a lot on the quality of the individual teacher. And again, this raises an equity issue because, you know, usually you'll get better teachers from richer neighborhoods, richer schools um, that can pay for the better people. And then every place else gets left with people who've got less experience or who's don't have scientific training or whatever. There's a teacher shortage in New Zealand in general. Um, And so, you know, a a strong basic curriculum could help level the playing field because you... Um, you know you the bare minimum at least everybody gets the bare minimum they get the basic stuff so even teachers who don't have a lot of background in chemistry or whatever can get across the basics um, and hopefully that would level the playing field that's that's a pretty good argument for for a strong national curriculum um, but new zealand hasn't tended to go that way um, but that's a that's a huge discussion right um, so anyway there's a lot of pieces there but yeah we'll see what happens this next year
1: yeah okay well maybe maybe we can have another podcast next year yeah sure and um once we know what national is doing and and um go from there hey thank you very much that was really helpful and really really great to get the full background and find out where we're up to now so in essence it's still concerning that um the science and i didn't know about the math curriculum so i'm even more concerned Curriculums are still imbued with things that are non-mathematical and non-scientific. Yeah. um, So there's more work to be done. Okay. But um, thanks very, very much, Nick. And um, yeah, just really appreciate you coming on. Cool. Thanks very much, Michael.